thank you for joining us today. And let me start by saying happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers uh, who are celebrating this fabulous day. And even if you're watching this message further into the week, I just want to say that I pray that you had a fabulous, uh, love-filled day uh, being celebrated in your role as a mother or as a mother figure. Also, as I think about the grand celebration that surrounds this day, I'm also mindful of the fact that this is a day of grief. I'm thinking about a number of people who are part of the NBCC community and a part of my life in this moment. I'm thinking about those mothers who have had to bury their adult children or those mothers who've had to bury babies and toddlers over the last few years. I'm thinking about those mothers whose child is still alive, but you are estranged from them, separated from them, the sense of loss. I'm thinking about children who have lost their mothers and for whom this is a day of great grief. I'm thinking about children perhaps who have not lost their mothers to death, but to other serious situations such as Alzheimer's. She's still physically present, but she is not there. And so as I think about all of these different categories, and including the spouse, who for decades, Mother's Day was a day that that spouse made sure that the mother of the family was cared for. But since the loss of that spouse, this has been an empty, lonely weekend. So I just want you to know if you fit any of those categories of loss and grief that God sees you, his love surrounds you, and that I'm thinking about you today. As a matter of fact, would you just just hold your hands out like this for a moment of prayer? Lord, for those that I have lifted up and named and for others that I have not named but they are dealing with grief today, I pray that you would speak peace to their hearts that you would bring comfort and that you, through the power of your spirit, would console their wounded souls and that they would know not only that your love surrounds them in this moment, but through this prayer, they would actually begin to feel the presence of your soothing love that will continue to carry them forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Praise be to God. One more thing. Last week we unveiled that we have a web page set aside with tons of grief resources there that we have put together just for you. If you're experiencing any kind of grief, just go to the web page, scan the QR code right here on the screen, and you'll find those resources there just to help you through. Also, there is a brief survey of about three or four questions We're trying to discern whether or not if we put together a small group, either virtually or physically for in-person gatherings, whether or not a small group led by uh, a a trained leader uh, would help you as you move through the months to come, or whether or not a workshop would help you, or whether or not if you have, uh, if you're particularly one who has come through great grief, or you've been trained as a grief coach, or you have unique skills as a counselor, a therapist. And if you want to be a part of coming alongside others, we just, I want you to go to that website. And I want you to fill out those two or three or four uh, survey questions and let us know who you are 
no matter where you live in the country or the world, we want to come alongside of you and be a blessing as you move through this time of grief. As I've said before, more people are grieving in this season than in any other time in contemporary history. And uh, we feel called to reach out. All right? Secondly, uh, I, I just want to thank you guys for joining us as we continue with this series, uh, Should I? As a matter of fact, next weekend, we're going to talk about how Scripture, sacred Scripture, the Word of God, uh, can be used uh, to help us to answer that question of should I in a wide range of scenarios. So you definitely want to make sure you're here uh, for the last week of this series next week. This week, however, I, I want to apply this question of should I uniquely to this day of Mother's Day. And one of the questions I want to raise is really the question that a lot of kids have. You know, how should I uh, interact with the painful imperfections of my mom? Another question is a question that so many moms have on a day like this. You know, uh, how should I think about or make sense uh, of myself in the, in the midst of my own painful imperfections? How should I think about myself in the midst of my own painful imperfections? So as we kind of wrestle through those questions, I want you to know that God's got a word for you today on Mother's Day. And so let's begin with the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. And here's what the, here's what the writer says. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And Jesus, when Jesus therefore saw his mother, and the disciple whom he loved, standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Son, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her, Mary, Jesus' his mother, to his own home. And there ends the reading. You know, Jesus speaks seven words during the course of his crucifixion from the cross. John, the writer of this particular book, captures three of those words. And the word that he decides to share with us first is this particular word, Jesus engaging with his mother. The reason I think John decides to share this word first is because it is such a magnificent expression of who Jesus is and of, of the love that is embodied in Jesus and how Jesus operates in and among our lives. And it is a magnificent uh, call, if you will, to who we are supposed to be as Jesus followers. But just check this out. Jesus is in the midst of being crucified. Here he is, the Savior of the world, and in the midst of dying this excruciating, unjust death, in the middle of that, Jesus literally performs what I want to call a spiritual adoption ceremony from the cross. His hands are nailed to the cross, and so he's using his eyes and perhaps his head motion to, to help people to understand what he's, what he's talking about. And he looks towards his mother who's standing there in great grief. And he says to her, woman, a modern day translation is ma'am. And he looks towards the disciple John. 
Behold your son. Here is your son. You see, Joseph was probably uh, dead by this time. This is why Joseph is not at the cross. Jesus, therefore, is the firstborn son of the family. He had the responsibility of providing for his mother. And knowing that he is about to transition, he does something remarkable here in this, in this spiritual adoption ceremony. He, 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 he essentially says to Mary, I am, I am giving you a new son. He cannot replace me, uh, but he can fill in for me. He can fill in some of those places that you desperately will need to be filled in. Uh, this young man, this one, John, he is your new surrogate son. He is your miracle. Mom, ma'am, behold your miracle. And then he looks at John. And, and, and I don't know whether John's Mom is alive or whether she is passed away. But as much as Mary will need John, he knows that in some ways John needs a mother. He needs Mary. And he's saying to John, you know, John, Mary cannot replace your mom, but, 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 but she can fill in some of those places that perhaps even if your mom is alive, she has left vacated in your life. John, son, Behold your miracle. I call this out on Mother's Day because there are so many mothers and parents in general who have lost uh, kids along the way, either to death or to other unique circumstances. And, and I want to encourage you that as we walk with God through life, that what's unique about Jesus is that he's always at work in the details of our lives, and he is at work raising up miracles. There are folk that God will put in our path, not to replace those that we've lost, but to fill in some of those gaping holes that are in our hearts and it's important for you to hear this message and to lift up your eyes and look for those miracles so that you can hear as the master declares to you today, behold your miracle. For, for that mother, it may be a niece or a nephew who, who has a unique place in your life. It may be a spiritual son or spiritual daughter that God has put on your path. And you've just kind of missed it, but you have a unconditional affection for them behold your miracle for that child it may be uh, a coach or a teacher uh, it may be a, a spiritual personality in your church family it may be a grandmother figure but 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 lift up your eyes and behold your miracle see sometimes it's not just one person you know, in my life, I've lost my grand-aunt, and over the years, I have discovered dimensions of my grandma in a variety of people. That, that, that person who, who, who lavishes affection on me through the, how she cooks and feeds me, that, 
that person who is there to, to speak affirmation into my life, uh, that over the years it's been oftentimes a variety of miracles, if you will, of people that God has placed along in my life. None of them can replace the lady who raised me, but they can all fill in different parts of a heart that longs for mom. Open your eyes. Start looking around. Asking God to show you your miracle. That's the first insight of this teaching. The second insight, though, takes us just a little deeper as we wrestle with these questions of how should I interact or engage with mom's painful imperfections are as mom is really thinking through, you know, how, how should she think about herself in the midst of her own painful imperfections? I, I want you to, to hear something even deeper in Jesus's words, a spiritual insight that is quite incredible as he says, behold your mother. Now, actually, when the text starts off, it starts off by reminding us, it says that when Jesus saw his mother, and ultimately the disciple. The word saw has at the root of it the same Greek word that is also translated later on when he says, behold your mother. When we look at what is the essence, the meaning behind these words, when Jesus saw, as Jesus says, behold, uh, the, the actual meaning is it means to see, not just simply physically to see when he says behold, but it, it means to perceive that when Jesus saw his mother, he, he, he perceived her in the larger context. It means to take a good look at her, to look at her closely. It means to hold her in full view of her larger context, to hold her in full view. And so I say to those of us who are, who are celebrating moms today and, and who are working through tough times with moms today, behold your mother. First, behold your mother in the full view of her struggle to live out her purpose. Notice what John says in verse 26. He says, he says, uh, when Jesus saw his mother there, that's it. For the, for the heart of most moms, their purpose as a mother is actually reflected in their desire to be there for their children. They just want to be there for you. And, and, and despite their limitations and their challenges, they work on being there for you. Mary was there for Jesus. She was there for Jesus even before he was born when the angel showed up and said to her that we're about to turn your life upside down, that you have been selected to bring forth a child and his name will be Jesus, even though you know no man, you are physically a virgin. This thing is going to happen. It's going to create scandal and all of this stuff about your life. And Mary's response is, uh, as you have said, let it be. Although it's going to turn my life upside down, if you need me to be there for this one called Jesus as a mother that will bring him into the world, count me in. She was there for Jesus as a two-year-old as she and Joseph had to take Jesus, leave their homeland, flee as immigrants into Egypt. 
just to keep him safe from a Herod who was trying to kill him. She was there for Jesus uh, as she would release him into public ministry, stand off on the sideline and watch with great pride and, yes, some trepidation as he would perform wonderful miracles, feeding the hungry and and healing the sick and, and, and all that Jesus did to make the world better. She would be there for Jesus at the foot of the cross. She could not touch him. She could not alleviate his pain. Uh, she, she could not help him in any way. But she was there. She was there. Now, one of the differences between the Roman Catholic Christian view of Mary and the Protestant Christian view of Mary is this, that we Protestant Christian believers, we don't see Mary as perfect. She knew no man, which meant she was physically a virgin, but it does not mean she knew no sin. As she had flaws like everyone else. Uh, in fact, this would suggest that while Mary was there for Jesus throughout his life, because she was imperfect, it would mean that she was never perfectly there. That she probably missed some occasions. She, her imperfections was a part of her relationship with her son. And yet, here at the cross, she is there. As we think about it, it's another way of saying that, that part of what Jesus celebrates in this moment is, 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 is he's not thinking about the things she got wrong. He's really celebrating the things she got right. And this is a word for some mother who's listening to me today. You, you, you can't alter the situation that you have found your child in. You can't touch. You can't change it. You are powerless against it. But heaven wants you to know that heaven celebrates you today because in your own way, you are still there. You're there on your knees praying for him. You are or her. You are there. You are there emotionally trying to be supportive. You are there even if you're at a distance in your heart. You are there. And heaven celebrates you today for not about the things you got wrong, but the things you're getting right. You are there. You're there. You know, I, I was raised by my grand aunt, which I talk about a lot, but my birth mom was named Joanne Hamilton. And uh, when I was born, we went through a series of tragedies and crises in our family, and so did I. And so she had to give me over to my grand-aunt to keep me from about the age of two to six. At six years old, she came to regather me, but seeing the extraordinary power of the relationship between me and my grand-aunt, it was almost as though she would ultimately say to my grand-aunt, behold your son, Herman, and to me, behold your new mom, your grand-aunt. She made that courageous, remarkable decision to leave me with them and let them raise me, my grand-aunt and my grand-uncle. And then she faded off of the scene of my life. Decades later, we reconnected, and you know, I really got to form a relationship with her. And the last conversation I had with her before she died, she was grieving how her imperfections had, 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 had in a sense, uh, put her in a position where she felt like she was never there for me. And she was second-guessing the decisions that she had made. And I said to her, I called her mother, I said to her, I said, Mother, listen, here's the deal. You made two decisions that has radically impacted my life. 
The first decision you made was to go through with and give birth to me under incredible circumstances. Big deal. The second decision you made was to release me to the care of my grand-aunt and grand-uncle. That was a huge deal. I said, I know enough now about my and our family of origins to know that because you made that decision, or those decisions, I should say, uh, I became the first in our family of origins to be able to go to college and graduate and go to grad school and graduate. Because of that decision, I became the first in our family of origins to, to be healthy emotionally enough to, to pick and get married and to be married for decades. Because you made that decision, I am now walking with Jesus and, 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 and have this incredible life as a preacher and, and community leader. Listen, Mom, I want you to know I am celebrating you today as I watch the tears come down her face for the things you got right. So I say to, to those of you who moms are alive, or even if they have slipped from time to eternity, this is the day when you begin or learn or reaffirm celebrating them for the things they have gotten It would be be a fabulous idea for somebody listening to me to send a text to your mom or to write an email or or, or to list out in a a list and go if she's alive and read it to her or text it or email and just lay out, Mom, here's the things you've gotten right and here's the implications of the things that you have gotten right. Thank you, Mom. And if your mom has slipped from time to eternity, maybe maybe you want to write that out or make a list and simply share and celebrate that with a friend or a family member or just get in a sacred place by yourself and just give God thanks and praise for the things that mom got right and the implications there. Moms, I want you to, you're so often thinking about your imperfections and the things you've gotten wrong, but heaven says today you've got to begin to realize and be grateful for the things you've got right. Behold your mothers. That's what the scripture declares. In the full view their struggle to live out their purpose, to be there, to do the best they can for their kids. Secondly, this word, behold your mother, calls us to behold our moms in the full view of their unspeakable pain. You see, hidden in the life of every mother, just like hidden in the life of every human being, It's a whole series of unspeakable, horrendous, oftentimes painful things that when you allow shame and guilt to get mixed into those things, they kind of work themselves out into patterns that that from time to time injure the people around us. But they come out of a place of unspeakable pain. Now, I know that as as I'm talking about, you know, celebrating your mom for the things that she got right, that there's somebody that's listening to me. You can't get past the fact that when you were growing up, whenever you brought home a C in math or science, your mom never encouraged you to transform that C into an A. When you told her that you wanted to grow up to be a, a world-class scientist or the first female NBA basketball player, you know, or a lawyer, she just kind of laughed at you, leaving you deflated in their own way, kind of teaching you that there's something wrong with dreaming big. 
You feel that right now. There's somebody watching me for whom your mom demanded that you brought home nothing less than an A. And when you brought home something less than an A, she, she made you feel like you were stupid. And there were times when she actually told you so. Leaving you to become that person who feels like if you're not perfect, you're not good enough. And, and you feel that right now as you think about your mom. Or maybe you're that person who mom showered you with hugs and kisses and told you all the time how much she loved you. But, but regularly you found her drunk or strung out on drugs and leaving you unprotected and uncared for. And, 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 and even till this day, she does not know about that evening that she was strung out and, and left you unprotected and uncared for. And that ungodly thing that took place in your life that she doesn't know about, but you will never be able to forget. And you feel that right now. Maybe you're, the, you're thinking about how your mom, this big corporate leader, she made sure you were secure and safe. She made sure you had the best nanny, the best prep school. She never forgot a birthday. She sent you gifts and cards from the south of France, from New York, from D.C., wherever she was conducting huge world-changing business. Yes, but she was never there for a basketball game or a track meet. And at the end of the day, she kind of missed the fact that while you appreciated the money and the trinkets, what you wanted most of all was her. Was her. You feel that right now. You say, what, what am I to do with that, Pastor? Since we're having this honest conversation on Mother's Day. And, and, and my answer to you are the words of Jesus. Behold your mother in the full view of who she is in the larger context of her unspeakable pain, which is a unique part of her own story. You know, I grew up in Cushetta, Louisiana, and I used to uh, spend summers with my grandmother, who was my grand aunt's sister. And from time to time, I'd walk from where my grandmother lived on the riverbank, on the side of the river, Red River, actually, uptown. And as I was walking uptown, I was always fascinated you know, I was walking the, uh, when we got to the sidewalk portion, because some of that was dirt road, we got to the sidewalk. The sidewalk is made in slabs. And I would notice that grass would be growing on the right, grass would be growing on the left, and between the slabs of the sidewalk, grass would be growing. But from time to time, I would be fascinated as I walked. I would notice, I would notice a fragile piece of grass growing in the middle of the cement, it has somehow found a crack. And, and, and despite the fragility of that piece of grass, it, was, it, 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 it managed to make its way up through the crack. And yet slamming down around that fragile piece of grass, killing everything around it. But, 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 but somehow this fragility piece of grass remains. Uh, uh, slamming down around it is this cement. And over the years, I have realized that that is, is an apropos analogy, uh, analogies for how we should think about our moms when it comes to engaging with the painful imperfections of their lives. Our moms have somehow managed with, 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 the, with, the, with the cement of the brokenness of life slamming upon them. Somehow they've managed to, to find a little light and with the fragility of their lives, 
make their way up to the cracks. Yeah, yeah you know that person who, who never encouraged you to turn a C into an A and kind of laughed at you because uh, you say you want to be a world-class scientist, etc. Well, lying on her was the, was the semen of a, of a childhood of overwhelming poverty that shattered her ability and her capacity to dream, that, that, that dismantled her sense of self-worth. And, and yet she's that, that fragile piece of grass that is still somehow made it through the crack. That is the experience of, 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 of saying, you know, she just didn't want you to be undue by the, by the unfair pressures of life. That, that came from the cement that's on her. You know, that mom that, that hugged you and kissed you and loved on you and yet strung out on drugs or alcohol. It's the cement that was lying on her. It's the cement of a history of growing up in a family of domestic violence, watching father beat up her mother, of her own history of rape and molestation. And, and when, she, when she reaches out to, to love on you and to hug you and to kiss you, it is authentic. It is super real. But when she's in a room all by herself, she hears the screams and the voices of her yesterday filling the room. It's the cement that's on top. It's a cement that's on top of it. So here's, here's, the, here's the question for you. How well do you know your mom's story? Is it, do you know what is the slab that was, or if she's still alive, that remains on top of her story? Sometimes it's cultural. Sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's some form of oppression. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, it's gender-related, come on, but it's the cement that, that has laid upon your mom. You know, I like this word understand. It's also part of the meaning of the word behold, to understand. In the, it's an old English word that simply means walking amidst. I like to flip the word, though. If you take the word understand and flip it, you get the word stand under. Part of the challenge of kids is that we need to know enough about our mom's story that we could at least imagine what it might be like to stand under the cement that is resting upon her life. And yet, somehow, there is strength in her vigility and her facility that has helped her to make it up to the Christ. She's still here. Praise God. So we must behold our moms in the full view of their struggle to be as faithful as they can to their purpose. They're just trying to be there. We need to see the things they've gotten right, guys. We need to behold our mothers in the full view of, their, of, the, of the brokenness of the concrete slab that, that slams against their life. And yet, despite that, they still somehow survive. They survive. They survive. Inspirationally, they survive. Broken, yes, but they survive. And then... And then, you see, if we can see that, then we can move from apathy about our moms 
to empathy for our moms. If we can have some sense of that concrete, we can, we, can, we, can, we can move from a lack of care to an abundance of compassion for our moms. If, 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 we, if we can get a sense of, the, of, of, of what it has taken for them to survive, y'all, to get through the crack, we can move from, from anger and resentment to understanding. And one last thing. Behold your mom in the full view of her unfolding promise. You see, Mary's story did not end with the crucifixion of Jesus, nor did it end with his resurrection. Fact of the matter is, on the other side of his ascension, uh, the Acts 1.14 tells us that the disciples... 120 people gathered together in this upper room and they literally prayed the birthing of what we now call the church. And what is so remarkable is that the verse says that they all joined together constantly in this prayer and along with the women and watch this. Mary, the mother of Jesus, she was a part of giving birth to what we now call the church in all of its billions of people extending across the ages. She was not finished. And as though as God was not finished with Mary, God is not finished with your mom if she is still alive. He's still working in her life. There's still more chapters he want to work out in her story. My goodness, he is not finished. And part of the work he's going to do in her life will be through her relationship with you. That's why you've got to be grace-filled. And, 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 and that is why you are called to honor and respect mom, regardless of the circumstance. That doesn't mean that you don't draw real boundaries. That doesn't mean that you're not aware of some toxicity that might be flown. And you, you're thoughtful about how you relate to that. Yes, you should, you should be mature in all of that. But you're always called to respect and to honor mom. Yeah. And here's this thought. At the end of the day, get this. While it is the blood, the shed life of Jesus that ultimately will redeem your mom's life, it is you, it is you, it is me, it's we who will, come on now, redeem our mom's stories. You are the next chapter of your mom's story. Where your mom's story is crooked, come on now, you are the part of the story that should become straight. Where your mom's story was blinded, you are the part of the story that should become sighted. I, I, I can hear my grand aunt say today, boy, don't you go out there and embarrass me. This is the echo of every mom, come on now, uh, echoing across eternity. Don't continue to break my, don't break my heart. Go out there and fulfill my dreams. And here's my dream, just be the best you you can be with you and with God. And oh, what a grand tribute that is to make that commitment on Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Amen. I would like for you to scan the QR code right here on the screen as you think about your next steps. And the first thing you're going to see are some choices that you can make as it relates to being a Jesus follower. Today can be that day that you say, I want to be a Jesus follower or reaffirm your faith. And you can also indicate if you'd like for us to reach out to you 
to help you to figure out how to move forward based on the decision you make right now. And then there is the message response, which I've crafted as a prayer. This is a prayer for you to pray if things are great with you and your mom, awesome. Still a great prayer for you to pray. If you're struggling in your relationship with your mom, this is the prayer definitely for you to pray. And pray it throughout the course of this week. You might want to look at this message again, even once or twice as you work through your issues thinking about your mom. But here's the prayer. God, help me to see and appreciate my mother with fresh eyes and a renewed love. And then I want you to wrestle with, really, these are two reflection questions that we're putting together here. Take a picture of it. What's the concrete slab that was or perhaps currently is upon my mother's fragile life? And how might this insight change the way I see and relate to her? All right, guys, make sure you're back here next week. We're going to be right here at 9 and 11 a.m. Pacific time, our normal time. And if you're in a local Bay Area, we would love for you to drop in on one of our campuses at 11 a.m.